positive, uplifting, inspiring. And it hasn't always been that way with mom. But let me start with, because um, I've been thinking about this talk since then. Um, I want to start with the metaphysical part of it. There is no, and I, and I just really, really went to this place. There is no sense ever will experience other than a baby, self, womb, or mother. And you who are mothers have the same experience of that oneness of having a baby inside of you for nine months. Wow. Absolutely The closest that you can ever get Life with mother was sometimes, was sometimes complicated. I was my daddy's girl. Um, I am the youngest child by far of four children, two brothers, and I have one sister. Mother would be very upset if I told you how old she is. So I won't. I won't, Mom. But she's getting on in years. She has, through almost all of that time, been just a perfect example of a movie star. She's gorgeous. This woman is gorgeous. She has impeccable social skills, just like my sister, just like my sister. And up, my experience with her was that she was emotionally fragile. And I just talked to her, and she agreed that that was true, so that's good. My mother had and has a very special relationship with all of the pets that I had growing up. They all followed her anywhere she'd go around the world as they could. Dog, Princessa, and Admiral, my cats, Prussia, Tiger, and then Tiger 2, my monkey Katina, all loved mother. I had to write a paper in second grade about what I would like to do most in life. And I wrote about I wanted to be a dog. I, this was unfiltered. I wanted to be a dog because I wanted to hugged and kissed and loved like Mother was. So the teacher called me in, and then I was embarrassed and said, no, it's no problem, we're fine. She had an easier time, has always had an easier time showing her affection. I assumed, you know, there's so much pain that comes with mothers before we shows up in all sorts of interesting ways. I assumed that my mother, growing up, had the same connection with pets all of the life before she married Dad. That's not true. I found out, because I've been on a mission to the 
discover more of what Mother doesn't talk about. Um, and this is what I found out. Mother had a dog when she was growing up. That dog was named Rags. She lived in Lincoln, Nebraska. Her stepfather didn't like that Rags kept having babies, puppies. And apparently he didn't know anything about spaying the dog. So one day, he said, Doris, my mother, coming with me, put Rags in the car, drove out an hour, this is sad, giving you this, drove out an hour into the countryside in Nebraska and shot the dog. And my mother has been loving it up with her since. I have a story to tell you, and um, she remembers it well. I remember it with greater joy than she does. April Fool's Day, 1976. I was um, I was pretty much an A student. Um, I thought, man, I am really going to do it right this April Fool's Day. I got my math teacher to write out one of these, your child is flunking geometry. Please make an appointment to meet me. Well, mother had never gotten that kind of thing from me, though she had from my brother. It was inside my math book, so she was snooping. I intended to hand it to her and then say immediately, April Fool's. That didn't happen. She, I was gone. She opened the book. She found it started calling all over town trying to find out where I was. What is happening to her daughter that she's failing geometry? She found me in a store where I was trying on clothes. It's really odd. You answer the phone and you're just crying. She's crying, crying, crying. Okay, now I'm feeling sad. It's really not that funny anymore. And I let her kind of go on why she felt so bad about it. And I, when she stopped, I said, Mother, April Fool's Day. Well, she'd gotten all worked up about this. She wasn't going to hear what was true. She kind of missed the joke because the timing was off. I think it took her more than a day, more than a week, probably the rest of the semester, to realize that it really was an April Fool's joke. And she now remembers it not quite as sadly as it was then. I have watched her bury my dad and take over the finances in the family. My family was so modeled on what a man does and what a woman does and all of the things that mother didn't do because that's what, what mothers do she had to do when dad was gone. And she did. And I've watched her do it, and she's done it splendidly. I have watched her bury her two sons, who died so young. And to have the courage to keep on moving. And I get to see that all the time. My sister, my sister now is quadriplegic. She had lost her mind 
because she was in a bedroom with no stimulation, being cared for by someone who didn't speak English. And it was, she, she just wasn't, wasn't here. Mother and I went up to see her. Mother took care of the situation immediately. She said, Georgian, we're getting a hospital bed. You're going into the study where your TV is. You're going to have stimulation. That TV has saved leaves me, she functions as a quadriplegic, it leaves me as the only functioning child of the four. Now, am I the one that mother would have chosen to take care of her in her declining years? No. She, she likes what I've done. She's happy with what I've done. She's proud of me. She just doesn't really understand who this woman is over her idea of being a mother and being a woman and being a female, the greatest compliment you could pay her was to be a lady. And that's probably not the first word people would think of. Think of me. Um, how do we keep our relationship? She regretted sending Grandma to a nursing home. She asked I get called to Wichita Falls, Texas to take up residence in that house, I will quit everything I'm doing here and go take care of mother. That is my standing offer and commitment every day of my life, so long as she lives. I think that's brought us closer. I think our dealing with Georgian together has brought us much closer. It was a horrid Facebook has been absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to us. We can talk on there all the time. She is so complimentary. Everything I put down, great, fabulous, good-looking doggies. She always has something nice to say to me on Facebook. And we email or Facebook or talk probably several times. So different from how, how I grew up. And I know that all of the characteristics that make me uncomfortable as a mother are those characteristics in me that I get to claim, embrace, move on. What is in her is in me. What is in her helps make me realize my I realized that I moved past whatever petty things have been in our lives together. Ministerial school, am I out of time? Do I have two minutes? Okay. Um, so I, I want to tell you a quick story about ministerial school and CSL. Mother was really not, she didn't understand what I was doing really hasn't been part of this spiritual journey of mine. And she didn't understand what Centers for Spiritual Living is. She had friends tell her that it was Scientology. So she wasn't happy about that. 
long time to tell her, no, this isn't Scientology. Um, I was in ministerial school and took a class on Islam. And she thought it was important to spend weeks trying to tell me why I shouldn't convert to Islam. She's now okay with that. In fact, she's so okay. We just got back from our ministerial cruise for the year. And um, I was... I was talking about my dad on the cruise. That was one of my talks. I told her I was going to talk about dad. She said, oh, I want you to have pictures of him so you can share with him. She sent me an envelope. It had three perfect new pictures that she had copied for me to share with the people on my cruise. People she used to think, oh, who are these people and what are they doing to my daughter? sent a picture of herself and her new husband with her name on it because she wanted them to know the truth. done the same with Reverend Tony because she wants the people in my spiritual life to know who I am and that somehow that will bring her closer. To all of the mothers out there, this day is If you can't hear me at any point, let me know, because this is kind of fragile on me, this little microphone. But it's good. I have little ears, and they tend not to hold things on. So, <laughs> so if you can't hear me, do let me know. But it's really an honor to be with you this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here. A handheld might help look a little better for me, or a piece of tape. Uh-huh. So I wanted to thank you and letting me share with you today and being here. And thank you, Barbara Jo, because your talk was very enlightening and very personal. Thank you for sharing that. All of our journeys with our mothers are so personal, so it takes, sometimes it takes a little bit to be able to share it. So I understand that. All right. Thanks for getting it now. All right. Thank you. So I'm going to start with just a little bit, a little metaphysical background for mothers. Raise your hand if you my voice or anything like that, maybe it was handheld, I don't know. 
heavenly father I'm going to hold it, and the cosmic mother of us all. And so our earthly parents symbolize that heavenly parentage, and he talks about that in the Chinese mind. But our mothers represent the unconditional love and that divine givingness and the divine forgiveness that is a part of spirit and a part of who we are, because we are a part of that. And the God's source stands under and through all things. And the mothers represent that. They express the highest love and that very highest commitment and commandment to So no matter what kind of relationship you had with your mother, be grateful because she gave you life. And there is no greater and higher purpose for any relationship than the one between mother and child. It's instinctual and it's deep. And it's that thing that is that connection that is never ending. And as Barbara just said, a lot of it comes from that unity, that nine months when we just worked together and we were one. Which also represents that degree that we have So today we remember and we give thanks, and we honor all the mothers, not just because we had a biological connection with them, but mothers and mothering comes in so many different forms. And so some of you may have had dads that were single dads, and they were like your mothers and nurtured you. Some of you may have had godmothers and aunts and grandmothers and uncles and cousins and older sisters that played that role. And for some of you, it might have been a special mentor that gave you that nurturing Today is the day that you get a chance to honor all those special people in your life that helped you be who you are and where you are today. So let's just celebrate them in that way. And so some of us don't always feel like celebrating our mother because when we think of our mothers, maybe they're gone and we're sad, or maybe we didn't have a very close relationship with them and we feel some past pain that we feel might have been caused by them or could have been avoided if they had been Please know this, be willing to be forgiven. That's a part of your being connected to the whole, that you have that same spirit of givingness and forgivingness that your divine source has. So be willing to dig deep because sometimes it takes that to get to that place of forgiveness and know that your mother did the best that she could with what she knew at the time. And if she knew better, she would have done better. And what I mean by know better, some of them go, well, they knew those things. There's an intellectual knowing, and then there's a spiritual heart knowing. And if your mother knew deep in her heart spiritually and had that consciousness, she would not have done whatever it is that you found concerning, offensive, and a problem for you. So forgiving does not mean you're condoning anything that happened or didn't happen, but it releases you and it frees you. You know, they say that being unforgiving is like taking poison and wishing the other person would die. It doesn't work. It just makes you more bitter and causes you more problems. And it's not like you're letting the other person go free when you're saying, I forgive you. It's the fact that you're letting yourself be free to be able to be that divine and wonderful person that you are. Remember, there was a purpose for you before you came into existing, choosing your mom and dad. And so you were put in that position so that you could grow and learn and evolve and and if you believe all that, we agree to that so that we can have these wonderful experiences and be who we are today. So once you free that energy that's holding you back and get that poison out of you, 
love, prosperity, and all the good things in your life can begin to come in when you hold that unforgiveness to block those things. So we're going to release all that. So we're working on that. So together I'm going to give you a really quick affirmation before I talk a little about my mom who I brought with me today. Here's our affirmation I'm going to ask you to repeat with me or after me. I am thankful for my mother and all the women and men who have been like a mother to me. I have benefited from their love, strength, and sacrifice. And I release this prayer to the universe, knowing it is so, and so it is. So no matter what kind of relationship you have or do not have with your mother, be grateful Now, briefly, I'm going to speak about my mom, who's still with me. She's in the back, sitting in the wheelchair, and I still have the blessing of having mom with me. And I've had her. I've been very fortunate, and I know so many people don't have their moms at this stage in their life. And I have. I've been very fortunate to have my mom and dad, who were raised by both parents. My dad is both has now passed. But that's unusual, too, sometimes in this day and age. So I guess I got a lot of blessings starting in, because they knew on the other end there would also be plenty of other things. So... I, ha I had a good, a good coming into the world. But my mother, as my brother and I would say, practices fierce motherhood. And by that, we meant that our mom was strong and that she would defend us and be at school if there was a problem and she felt anybody was wronging us. But at the same time, she was all over us, making sure that we were polite and kind and loving and did the right thing. And study. You only had one job, and that was to go to school and do well. And this is the time that you came to the world because she didn't have the opportunity to go to college, but you certainly did work. There were no two ways about that. So that meant no fooling around. You had to be studious. You had to be perfect. You had to do your best. And can't was never a word in the last. So it was fierce motherhood, as we like to say. So when we came home, as you were talking about with the teasing your mother about the, the grade in the, on April Fool's Day, I don't think I would have done that because I think that she would never have found that funny. <laughs> I don't think that would have worked. I might have thought it was funny, but she would never have found that funny, and neither would my dad. Because when we even brought home, I remember one time I brought home a zero in conduct. And she's like, well, you can't learn. You should at least behave. How could you not behave? I mean, that's just unheard of. So it, it, you, you just didn't do that kind of thing. But it was a different time. And so as we got older and we got to be teenagers and we got to be more challenging, of course, then, of course, she didn't know who the children were that she thought that she had raised. Because now we were stepping out and becoming independent the way that she had raised us to be. But, aha, that meant that we were talking back to some degree. So that was a little hard for her. But Mom was always a very, very active person, both of my parents were. And she volunteered in many community organizations, instrumental in getting a library and our community when we didn't have one. She was always the mother also the mother who, for a while, my dad did not want her to work. He wanted his wife to stay home. We had four children, I'm the third of four. And he wanted her to be able to do it for us. So she would volunteer during the day and do different things. And say, if I'm not home, when you get home, you sit right there and you go make sure you do not tell your dad that I was not So we learned that mom was going to be her independent self and woe on you if you said it. Because she, she needed to be able, as 
back in the 50s and her mind to be able to do this. Eventually, she worked in my dad's photographic laboratory as a bookkeeper. He kept all the books and the money, and that was his purpose for her. So, but, and when it was time for him to retire, she should have retired too, but she didn't want to. So they had to wait an extra year for her to be ready, so she felt she didn't work until later, that she needed to, to stay working a little longer because she loved working. So she just loved being around people. She was always on the go. She loved on the go, and she always did a million things, like most mothers, at least his mother. And she loved to crochet and to knit and to play ceramics and to read and to go for walks. She didn't like to exercise. Her thing was, like W.C. Fields, if I get the urge to exercise, I sit down till the urge goes away. So, but she would move because she was doing things. So now as she's getting older, we try to get her to, to move, and that's not happening, because that's exercise. So, but she was always very independent and she and my dad loved to travel, and they took us, uh, I think, six four children in a, they called it the country choir, those station wagons that they were, going across country and doing things. We did camping and boating and traveled all over the U.S. and abroad, and we were very fortunate, because we did things that were inexpensive. Getting into the tent, I didn't like camping, but we got to see wonderful things, and being taken all over the country and laying on the ground. I do not I <laughs> But I do boat. I, do, I will get on the boat, and my dad did later on have a boat. So we, we traveled the economical way. That's how we were educated. But we did go, and that's the most important thing. We were exposed to many things, so I'm grateful for that. When my dad passed away about 10 years ago, my mom stayed in Florida by herself for two years. Now, this was very interesting, because as Barbara Jo said, the ladies were ladies, and the men were men, and the roles were not always crossed. So my mom, though she did do bills and that kind of thing, she had never lived by herself. Dad went to service and World War II, she went back with my sister, who was a baby then, the oldest child, and lived with her mom that my dad had. And the very first time that she lived on her own was at 87 when my dad was So this was a new thing. And so I then started having a different thought, because I was always a daddy's girl. So I always had a different thought about mom. Seeing her with that kind of strength and determination to be on her own. And I never knew that she wasn't, had never been in this dawn showed me the strength that she had. I have a brother who passed away when he was 35 and uh, was a shot by police. So that was a horrible thing in our family. It was very sad. And I watched my mom and dad become difficult people. But I watched them because, of course, it always changes me. The strength that they both exhibited and the strength that my mom had. But once again, when my dad passed, I saw another strength during her husband and also the child that to now the strength to live on her own. So that was incredible because she was living in Florida where they had time. So about three years later, she called me and she said, you know, we check on her all the time. And as she needed more things, she had to come and help her. She wanted to see her. But as time went on, when she was just about 90, she called me and she said, I'd like to come and visit one of them. And I'm choosing So I think she went, she went to visit each one. I think she knew in her mind. I know she knew. So eventually she said, can I come and be with you? And I said, sure. And I welcomed her with open arms. Well, life changed at that point. And mom came to live with me. And we, for the first few years, had the best time because she was still able to go to plays and movies. And we did a lot of things together. And we did all the I'm a lover of culture and art because of my mom. I had a 27-year career in the museum field because my mom and dad 
did all that, and we had the best time. And she traveled to see her other children, and she went and she did a her other vacation she was going to do. But as the years went by, and I needed to work, I needed to have a caregiver to help out at home because mom couldn't do some of the things that she could do. She wasn't wanting to get up and run to the movies and do this and do that. And she's getting into her 90s, and that's pretty good for 90, but she was still getting older. And so that first, at first that caregiver was a companion, and I'm sure many of you are having this that caregiver was a companion, and then it became more of a family. And then it became someone that I couldn't do without, and she couldn't do without. Because that caregiver would help her get up in the morning, and I would, you know, let her in the house, and I'm getting ready to work, and I'm getting her breakfast, and the caregiver taking over. And so it became another child of family. Another, I say child, child for my mother. So on one hand, the caregiver was a friend, on the other hand, she was also they began to almost have this kind of relationship that I began to have with her, where now I'm not just the daughter, but I'm the caregiver at the same time. So all that began to happen, and the roles began to shift, sometimes to be the mother and sometimes to be the daughter, and it still is that way. But I'll have to say this, that at one point, Mom had some health challenges, and she was hospitalized on three different occasions over the years. She was in a deep rehab so each time. Body, she pulled through. She had a hip replacement in 95, and she pulled through. So, as she says, her mind will tell her body what to do, but her body now does not want to cooperate. She says, old age is not consistent. And so, now she has to use a walker's walk. You know, a day like today, because I knew we needed to get in and move around, I had to get in a wheelchair, but she can still move around and feed herself, rest. It takes a long time now. Well, I'll be late. But she can do those things on her own, and I do encourage her to continue to. So last August, um, Mom went to assisted living and that was a big change for her and a big change for me because she visited, and there were plans for her to go And it turned out that I had a health plan in order to take care of myself. Mom needed to go to assisted living so that she had an urgent care at the assisted living um, that I had. And I needed to hear say that structure so that mom, still is mom, even though I had become more or less the mother of the When I shared with her and I tried not to share with her that I was having a relief, it was not the same So the best thing was that she was 15 minutes away. I could see her very, very much very much talking to everybody. And so I'm grateful and I'm very thankful. And in November she'll be 98. She can her every day. then you would know that she couldn't hear. But if you get close to her and you talk to her, if she can hear you, she'll joke and laugh with you the whole time. So I'm fortunate to have her and to have her wisdom and her sense of humor and to have 
me and I wasn't home. I called my mother to make sure she was home. But I wasn't there to get her message. My mother said, oh, no, just throw that away. If you had to ask her, you already know. So the fact that she still has it in so many ways, some days she seems out of it, some days she is so on point that I still am so grateful for the wisdom that she's given me in my life. So mothers are really a very, very So I will say that um, Reverend Marsh is much braver with her mother in the room than I would be with my mother. So um, we've had a little theme going this morning, and the theme is as our evolution of our of Mother's Day, how the evolution of Mother's Day has evolved, the meaning of it. Barbara's mother lives out of state, and so there's that relationship of the child's journey when or life in general falls us away. And then, of course, Reverend Marshall, whose mother is still with us and going strong, and she has that continuous interaction with her, which is a wonderful thing. And then, of course, there are those of us whose mothers or loved ones are no longer on this plane of action. And that creates sometimes, when we get into talking about honoring Mother's Day, a feeling of of, well, do I really want to, quote unquote, celebrate Mother's Day because my mother is not here. And where we want to take you with this is to really understand that in the science of mind, Holmes says that the divine feminine, the divine feminine, is an energy that nurtures life into manifestation. And the energy that manifests, nurtures life and when we look at the mothers in our journey from that perspective, how they nurture our, have nurtured our journey into manifestation, we begin to understand that, yes, we're missing that personality. We're, we're missing that physical personality, that physical expression. But we also recognize that there is not that constant awareness that there's someone in our journey to nurture us. But what we want to bring your attention to is the understanding that that awareness is only physical. Only physical. When you begin opening yourself up to the awareness that life itself, the energy of life itself, is ongoing, it never ceases, it never ends. When we cross over from this plane into another, we're still vibrant, we're still living, we're still enjoying the journey. Then we begin to understand that an energy itself life force of energy itself has no barriers. Then we begin to understand that when we open up to the, to the idea, the awareness, that 
our loved ones, our mothers, are still nurturing from the other side, are still present with us. This has played out in, or played out in a multitude of ways where I recognize I'm getting those messages, that, that awareness, those nudges, if you will, from the other side. And shortly after my mother transitioned, which has now been almost 12 years, um, there was, it was a big emotional void for me, as it is for everyone. And there's that piece of why did that happen with her? And I inherited mother's cat, this big, white, fluffy cat named Bo, and Bo and she were inseparable, just inseparable. And when mother transitioned, Bo went through a grieving process himself. He would stand outside the door where she, to her room, and he would just scream at the top of his, top of his lungs, just mourning for her not being present. And the grief itself had a Eventually, not eventually, but within a very short amount of time, developed a what the doctors called a kidney infection. He transitioned. As a result of that, I know because that was experiencing grief. So we want to fast forward just a little bit, and one day in meditation, deep meditation, and my mother appears in that meditation, and I was a little frustrated with the fact that. Bo had left because that was my last physical connection And I expressed that in the point during the course of the meditation. And the feedback that I got was from Mother in this meditation, you don't understand. I had no control of it. And I said, I don't care. That was to be my, my connection to you. Besides, let me see what I can telling me how to play that. So, a couple more months went by where I'm at PetSmart, and I like to go to PetSmart and see all the kitties and carriers and the cages because I want to see what cat I can match up with. Them. I've got a cat for each of you. Anyhow, I'm, I'm in there and I'm looking, in, looking at all the cats, and the very last day, I thought it was just to see what's going on here. And the write-up was this, this cat was found in the woods with his brother, and they, they rescued it from being having rocks thrown at it. Very sweet, very loving. And the, the kicker is, the last line was the, the adoptive parent, who does the foster parent, who does the whole write-up, said, I don't know why, but I just had to name this guy 
sharing with this story is that I know that as our loved ones pass on and they're no longer a part of this journey, there is that void. And we want to honor that void. That void is not a sign that we have lost something. That void is a sign that we have experienced something. It is a sign that we have experienced tremendous love. It is a sign that we are being nurtured, not only in this journey, but in the journey on the other side. And when you begin opening yourself up to just hearing, seeing those messages, whatever those messages can be, you're going to be receiving that same nurturing experience, that same feeling of knowing there's always something, someone watching out for you, like your own mom that you have growing up. I, I talked to, as you know, Karen Wilson played with us last week. stayed with us, and she was greeted with um, our roof leaking, and <laughs> welcome to the hill. Anyhow, <coughs> but she's a trooper. She emptied the bucket for us, all that great stuff. I'm just kidding. But in the course of our conversation, about a year or so ago, Karen's husband, Irwin, transitioned, and they've been together for quite a number of years, up to 30, maybe 40 years. And Karen stayed with us a year before. I, she talked to me about some of these experiences that she was having. And she said, an experience such as feeling as if Irvin was reaching out to her. And she said, I just don't know if they're real or not. Am I, am I imagining? And I said, you know, if you want to increase those experiences, if you want to really feel that they're real, and the only thing that's keeping you from doing that is the continuous questioning of them. The moment you move from questioning them to honoring them, you'll see that they'll increase, you'll feel, you'll feel Irwin's presence with you continuously. And so that's what she decided to do. And this last visit, this last week, it was filled with story after story after story of what she called Irwin. That's what we want you to take with you this morning. For Mother's Day. If your mother is not with us, if your mother is, is um, maybe not even a biological mother, but someone who nurtured you, who shared your journey, or an individual that is your cause to celebrate Mother's Day, is to be open to the fact that that love, that expression of connection, that doesn't end because they're not physically present simply means they have gone on to prepare a way for you. And they're still with you. They're still with you. And they are still reaching out to you. They are still embracing you. And they will never leave you. They will never leave you. This is why it's important for us to understand this life force energy is continuous. And once we are connected at the energetic level, we all are. We cannot sever cannot sever that connection. So, more we think we are this side, those links from the other side, the more we allow ourselves to really embrace 
meditation. And I'm going to ask that you just get